In this episode, I am talking with Anna Skarupka. Now, this is an extra special episode because Anna was, in fact, my eldest daughter's primary school teacher um, in Canberra over, what is it, 10 years ago now. So, Anna's really special and she definitely played a big role in me settling my first child into school. But the reason I have her on my podcast is because just like a lot of us, she pivoted from an online, well, from a corporate career, we could say, which is um, primary school teaching, to an online business doing print and party, which was an online business selling um, party favors and invitations. And it was just incredible. And now she's pivoted to email by design, which she provides a service to product business owners, teaching them about email marketing, but also provides that service, setting up their automations and their flows through Clavio. Anna is a wealth of knowledge and a beautiful human, and I have loved this conversation. So let's dive into this right now. Hey, hey there, you are listening to the Boss Motive Podcast, where I'm sharing all the tools, tips, and mindset tricks to build a successful business whilst living a life you love and avoiding the burnout. Ever wondered what it takes to live in a tropical paradise, run successful businesses, and work from home whilst raising kids? Well, listen up, friends, as I am sharing my story of how I've done this, along with interviews from other incredible entrepreneurs who are also living their best life. My name is Liz Morris, and this is the No BS Podcast, where I'm digging deep into what it actually takes to define your success and live a life you were put on this earth for. Haven't found your motive yet? Come in closer. We may just have the answer. Well, hello, Anna. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much, Liz. I'm really excited to be here too. Now, we have a really long backstory. We just worked out as like 10 years ago. And you all know that I am love the queen of pivot. You know, I love pivoting. I love changing my businesses. It suits my life. And, you know, going from what I did in the past to what I'm doing now is completely different. And the reason I have Anna on my podcast today is because Anna was officially my my eldest daughter's kindergarten teacher, which if you're in Queensland, it's the prep teacher. Um, So, that's where I met her. And I also photographed her newborn, her eldest newborn. So, we went back, we're going back 10 years here. And in that time, the amount of pivots you've done, and we've kind kind of kept an eye on each other's journeys, but you know, they've overlapped a few times, which has been maybe you're my kindred spirit out there in the online world. So, I just love connections and I am so grateful that you're here today. So, can we dive into, if you give me a bit of a background for the listeners of who you are, where you're from, um, you know, a bit about you and your journey. Awesome. Happy to do that. Um, So, my name's Anna. I have two children, Ben and Charlotte, and we currently live in Brisbane in Australia. Um, And I think we've been here for about six years now. Um, So Liz and I both met in Canberra um, when I was teaching. So I was a primary school teacher for nine years. Um, And then when I had my first little bubba, I sort of started thinking, oh, what's next? I don't know if I want to continue teaching full stop time while trying to raise my family. Um, Teaching is kind of all-consuming and married to the job and I just found it quite hard to balance both when I had children. Um, so when I was on maternity leave with my first bar, um, I started 
thinking about maybe, you know, having some kind of online business, seeing where it could take me. Um, so I started my first business, which was called Printing Party, um, and I sold personalised party invitations and matching stationery. Um, and I did that for quite some time. Um, really enjoyed that at the time. At that time of my life when I was had kids at home, um, they were only going to daycare a couple of days a week, it worked really well um, for a while. And then, um, which kind of happened to some people, I kind of started losing my mojo for it. And, you know, when you just, oh, there's just something not right and you just can't really feel as passionate about it as you used to. And I found that that was happening, you know, and that feeling was just not going away. Um, anyway, and I ended up doing a big pivot and while I was still uh, running Printed Party, I started doing some business development for another company called Activated Eco, uh, which sells eco-friendly products. Um, and I was doing some Instagram marketing and some um, influence marketing, stuff like that, wholesale stockers um, stuff. And one day they said to me, oh, we really want to set up email marketing properly. Um, there's this thing called Clavio. Everyone's talking about it. I just hear everyone's saying how great it is. Um, would you give it a go setting it up for us? And I said, oh, I've never used it before. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but I'll give it a go. Um, and at that time, I had used MailChimp previously with my other business. Um, so I kind of knew the basics um, and then I got onto Clavio and I started setting things up for them and I just fell in love with it. It was so easy to use. You could set stuff up quickly. You could get great designs. Um, so I turned on some automated flows and literally within hours we were seeing the sales coming and it was so exciting. It was like, right, this is a game changer. Um, and then got a lot of flows set up, started sending campaigns and very quickly this business's revenue grew significantly. I'm talking going from five feet a month to six feet a month. Um, and, yeah, then I thought, you know what, I really like this, I'm going to do it. Um, so I did the Clavio Master Partner Training, which is um, quite a lot of training, um, and I got accepted into the Clavio Partner Program and I started my current business, Email by Design. Oh, what a journey you've been on. Yeah. Um, and this is, again, where our paths crossed again because you're yeah. such a beautiful, kind person. They were looking for a photographer and that's where our paths crossed again because you put him onto me and then I started doing a lot of his photography work. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and that's where I found out you were now doing the email stuff and had moved away from print and party. So a couple of things I want to go back in time because I yeah. love, like when I first discovered you were online with print and party, you had such an incredible presence on Instagram, right? Like I clicked on and I was going, holy, like what is she doing? Can you talk me through the process? Because, you know, how did you get such good traction with Instagram? Um, firstly, we're going to go down the email thing because it's so valuable. But um, I just saw you kind of, you were so beautiful on Instagram and you had such a great presence and really good following. How do you feel like you got into that and how did you really evolve that business? Sure. I would say it would just be consistency. Uh -huh. You know, I posted every day. I did all the right things. I used all the hashtag. I followed the right people. I did a ton of influence and marketing in the early days. I have a lot of influencers reach out to me saying, you know, I've got this party coming back. Can you send me some products? 
And for me, that was kind of a no-brainer. You know, I could send them a hundred bucks worth of products and potentially reach their thousands of followers that are just like them. Um, and whenever that happened, I would see a ton of new following, a ton of new orders. Um, so I did that for a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, I was running that business for years and years and I had really good customer service. So my clients would always come back to me. They were very loyal and they would also always refer friends to me. Um, so I think that really helps, like having that customer service that's not only good, like it's great, it blows people away. And, you know, I'd put little thank you chocolates in their orders and little handwritten notes and just those special details I think can really um, increase that brand loyalty and help go on platforms like Instagram. Um, oh, one other thing I did was I would use viral posts. So I'm not sure if this still works. I don't even know. <laughs> I have someone do that for me now. Um, but, you know, those quotes that go viral and those, you know, beautiful style parties I that, you know, went really viral, I'd always post about those kind of things. Um, beautiful eye-catching Pictures of party food would do really well. Um, so anything that sort of would make them stop the scroll would get those huge likes. Yeah, I love that. So it's really, as you say, about consistency, but also you, leveraging other people's communities. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Yeah, I found that to be really beneficial in my product business, especially just being um, in other people's networks can make it really valuable. Yeah. Um so moving on from there, one thing you said was that you, you know, you, you decided that business was no longer right for you. And I love that you took that initiative because one thing I see is women in particular, we start something and instead of taking uh, taking what we have learnt and evolving and pivoting and going, okay, that one has died a natural death or that one is no longer serving me or it's not a it doesn't suit my family anymore and being okay with it like I find people feel like they're a failure but I love that you didn't think that you were just like okay that suited that time in my life and that was that point now what can I do and you took those lessons and you took your career and you you're like okay now what can I do next and I think some people really struggle with that because they feel like they've failed if they start something and they don't see it through. But, so what was the thought process you had from going, okay, this is not really suiting me anymore? Like we talked about scalability and that sort of thing. So how did you, you know, how did you realise, because you had such a good following, so how did you like say, okay, this is just not right for me anymore? What was that kind of, what did you do to work through that? Well, look, I kind of faced it out gradually. Um, so I didn't, and of course I did have those feelings that you're talking about like, oh, I'm a failure, I've invested so many years into this, I've built up this huge following, I've got hundreds of designs, like I'm giving this all up, all of these years' hard work. Um, but I think I just needed to sort of reframe that thinking um, into actually, you know, the, these few years in this business has given me every single skill that I need to really succeed in this, this new business, which I feel has much more potential and is going to fit with my family and my lifestyle and my goals so much better. Um, so, yeah, reframing my thinking really helped um, and I also kind of phased it out gradually. So first I kind of announced that I was, you know, going to close the business. Then I did kind of a closing down sale type of thing. Then I left the website open a little bit longer. Then I closed the website and then I stopped posting on socials. So it was kind of gradual um, but it did feel a little bit like, oh, that's my first baby, I can't <laughs> let it go. Um, but, you know, this business is just, yeah much much more suitable and yeah I just feel 
more passionate about it. I feel like it will grow with me and, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, that's so good. I love that you say that it's just gradually. But I also also find um, once you give yourself the space, it's amazing how much you can grow into a new new area and a new business and um it feels you just feel like it's right when you've when you allow yourself to let go of those um thoughts that you're having hanging over you and you're like no I have learned so much everything is a learning experience and what I learned over there I can now take with me over here which is so fantastic so talk like I'm just not designing party stationery anymore I'm designing emails yeah yeah (laughs) So talk me through your structure now. So you um, do you, what does your business look like now? Um, so there's basically three services that we provide. Um, the services are Clavio setup services, um, and that's suitable for people that are either brand new to Clavio or wish to migrate from another platform to Clavio. Um, and that's where we take care of everything. We get all your automated flows built for you. We get your segmentation sorted for you. We do a list migration if you need to, a custom opt-in strategy, and then we help you send your first campaign. Um, so that's the setup side of things. Um, another big focus that we have is on management. Um, so we have, uh, I think it's nine managed clients at the moment, um, and we completely control their email strategy. Those uh, people are sending two to three campaigns a week um, and we take care of all of the campaign sends and also um, taking care of the flow side, making sure that's all optimised and working well for them. And then the third thing we offer is um, hourly training sessions and that's really good for people that are DIYing their Clavio or maybe they're new to Clavio, maybe they've been on it for a while and they want to take it to the next level. Um, So then I'll do an hour training session with them and we'll kind of work on it together. So that's the three parts of the business. Um, we're a small but mighty team, so there's a couple of account managers. Uh, we have a copywriter. We have a graphic designer. Um, all online workers working from home. Um, so, yeah, it's a great little team. We get a lot done and we do a really fab job for our clients. I love that so much. I'm I'm like, oh, I need to get on to you when I hang up from you. So with Clavio, is that only suited to product businesses or do you find Clavio works across both? Look, it depends. Um, I am a service-based business who uses Clavio. However, I wouldn't use another platform because obviously I want to promote Clavio and show my clients what's possible. Um, but generally speaking, yes, Clavio is, is suited for product-based businesses, um, especially Shopify businesses, and it also works really well with uh, WooCommerce sites. Yeah, I've heard about I've heard about it before, so it's exciting to hear more about it because, um, yeah, I'm the old-fashioned Mailchimp girl, and it can be a bit clunky. <laughs> I'm going to bring you over. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm ready for a change. So this is very exciting. So talk me through um, what is your like top tips for getting people onto their email list? And we're talking, you know, product business, but maybe even service. Um, so how do you feel that, you know, what's the latest trend on how to get people on? Because when I first started my product business, it was all about getting people to your blog, but I find that doesn't seem to work very well for me anymore. It's just the straight-up discount. That's what they want. They don't want to read the content. But what do you find from the expert point of view? Yeah, so there's uh, different opt-in strategies you can have. A lot of the time <clears throat> when I work with new clients, they have zero opt-in strategy. Um, so obviously if there's no incentive for someone to hand over their email address, 
the chance of them doing that becomes really bad. So usually if there's no incentive, I'll usually see opt-in rates at about 2%. Um, once we add some kind of opt-in strategy, we aim for more than 5 to 10%. Um, so you can choose whether you want to offer a discount. Um, if you have high-value products where you don't want to come into those margins, I would recommend doing something like um, take $10 off any order over $100. Free gift with purchase works really well, particularly uh, for our food and beverage um, brands, including a free sample as an opt-in strategy can be really great and work very well. I've seen opt-in rates, you know, more up to the 15% mark um, with those kind of opt-ins, which is great. Um, if you don't want to go down any of those paths, you can try, you know, some ebooks, free printables, that kind of thing. Um, or another one that can work well is um, enter your email to win a gift card. Um, so that one is another one that can work well as well. Um, I would recommend to people to try different opt-in strategies, see which one gets the best opt-in rate, see which one gets the best results for their revenue and getting that first-time customer to, um, yeah, purchase from you. Oh, I never heard of the, well, actually, now that you say that, I have seen the gift card one, but that's a great idea. I hadn't really thought yeah, of that. And that seems to work pretty well. Um, I've usually seen that, yeah, somewhere between 5 and 10% opt-in rate, uh, which is great. And that's an easy one to sort of run. You, you know, it's easy to set up a Shopify gift card for someone for 100 bucks, So it can be, yeah, really effective. That's awesome. And so I know you probably get asked this all the time. How often should we be emailing our list? Okay. Um, so first things first, I would say make sure you have at least six automated flows running at all times. So, yes, campaigns are great, um, but flows are really your automated revenue that's going to work all the time for you. So having some of those and they're also people in those flows are more high engagement, so they're just taken an action on your website, maybe they're a new subscriber, maybe they've abandoned the cart, but they're more high intent than an average person on the list. So getting those flows turned on like your welcome series, abandoned cart, browse abandonment, win back, post-purchase flow, back in stock flow, getting those main flows up and running first um, is really valuable. Then on the campaign side of things, uh, it just depends on how um, your audience, how responsive they are to re receiving emails from you, how many products you have. Like if you only have five products, it can be hard to send very frequently. Um, but most of my managed clients send two to three times a week and still get really strong open rates. Um, but the content we, have, we send is very valuable. The topics are varied. So uh, the audience doesn't get bored or become dis disinterested easily. So is that a service that you offer is by, you know, even writing people's emails? Because I know that can be so overwhelming. Something, uh, even for me, for example, I only have a small amount of products and we don't want to extend our product range because that's just how we're rolling. So, yeah, you do get stumped. Like, what do I talk to my people about? Like, you want to be in their inbox, but it can be really hard and overwhelming to say, what do I say to these people every week? You know, in some respects, it's a lot easier with a service-based business because you're offering a service and you can talk about different services and, and information. But with a product, it's like, buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing. <laughs> so, so what would you recommend to people or how do they get around that? Well, one thing to note um, for product-based businesses and um, e-commerce brands is you don't have to be too text-heavy in the emails. It often is like 
you know, beautifully designed emails with short copy can do really well for e-commerce. Um, so if copywriting is in your strength, I would try that style. Um, other than that, I think just, you know, be authentic, use your brand voice, um, put yourself in your audience's shoes, like what do you think they would like to hear from you? How can you add value to their day uh, with the content you're sending them? Um, and another good trick uh, if you're really stuck is to subscribe to brands that are similar to yours, look at or even bigger than yours. Um, look at what they're sending, look at what language they use, um, look at the angles they're using, look at the offers they're sending and get some inspiration from there. There's um, also a website called Milled where you can look up all different um, industries' emails and what they're sending. So that's a really good resource. Um, and on Clavio, they've recently brought out a similar feature called Clavio Showcase, um, and that one's great. You can actually filter in by industry, by if it had a coupon or not, by what month it was sent, um, and it shows, like, the subject lines, the preview, the actual design of the email. So it can be really easy to just, you know, get inspiration from those emails and make them your own with your products and your branding. Oh, that's so good. I haven't heard of that one. So I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, we'll put the link for that because that's really great because that's kind of like how you can stalk Facebook ads and see what other people are doing. <laughs> and it's so helpful because especially when you're starting out, you're like, oh, it seems so overwhelming. But it's not like you're copying them, but you can definitely be inspired by them and keeping an eye on what people, even their language, it can be be very helpful. Yes, yes. Um, and I think just getting started, so, you know, if you're having trouble getting started, go to Showcase or Mill, take one of their subject lines, start with the subject line, move on to the preview and just, you know, take it step by step. Um, and then when you have sent your first campaign out, duplicate that campaign for your next one. So you have at least got a starting template. Yeah, I, that's such good advice because it can just be so overwhelming. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so what other tips and tricks can you give our listeners for, you know, making their email work for them? Making their email work for them. I would say have a campaign strategy. So plan out um, in advance what you're going to be sending um, and when. I would say stick to a regular uh, email cadence. So the worst thing you can do is go four months and not send an email and then suddenly send three emails when Black Friday is coming up. Don't do that. Um, yeah. need to spend consistently so your audience starts to know, oh, I'm probably going to get an email from this brand once a month or, oh, this brand's emailing me every Friday with their new arrivals. Okay. And then they get used to it and, um, you know, become engaged subscribers. I would say make sure you're varying your offers a lot. It can be, you know, don't bore your audience with just here's annual arrivals, here's annual arrivals, here's annual arrivals. Look at different sort of offers, promotions you can do. Um some really great topics for email sends that work all year round are just showcasing your best-selling products, talking about um, your new arrivals, talking about things that have just been restocked, talking about the founders' favourites, uh, highlighting some testimonials from your customers. So having those evergreen topics on hand for when you perhaps don't have something specific in mind to send can be really handy. Um, that just led me to think about, do you think that, product businesses need to have blogs? I don't think they need to have blogs, um, but a blog post can be easily repurposed into an Instagram post and it can also be easily repurposed into an email campaign. Um, and having that, how I'll do that is I'll kind of take the first paragraph of the blog, 
repurpose that into email copy and then the big button click to read my blog post. So it can be a really effective way of driving traffic to your site um, and it's also a good excuse to send a campaign. You're not asking them to buy anything. It's giving them value. Hey, check out our latest blog post with you. You'll find it really helpful. Oh, yeah. Okay. Great advice. I think that's really good that you can, you know, it's it's about creating some content and then being able to use that as, yes. as an email topic even. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Work harder. I mean, yeah. work harder, not harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's so good to know that you can provide all this service for people because I know even having my businesses, it can be very overwhelming. Yes. And sometimes, um, you know, people just need someone to kind of hold their hand and say, yes, you're doing this right. No, you're not going to scare your audience by sending them two emails a week. I think people um, get a bit worried about the impact of what their emails are going to do, especially when, you know, you're sending to big lists of, you know, 20, 30 to 100,000 people. Yeah, yeah. And what I always tell my clients is people, you know, they're okay with posting on Instagram every day for some reason, but then they feel like they're being invasive in their email. But what I say is, like, you know, when you're following people in your email, you might only read something like every now and then. You might have them coming in and you see them and whatever. So, always say, don't don't miss that opportunity because even that they see your name and your subject line, they may not open every email, but some people can sit on there for a year and not purchase. And then all of a sudden you pop in at the right time with the right little message and um, they connect with you. Like, and I think people just think, oh, I'm in their personal space, I'm invading them. But I always say they have an unsubscribe button. If yeah. they don't like it, <laughs> they can click off and that's not offensive, that's not you shouldn't take that personally. It's like they no longer, you know, are connecting or whatever it is. And it shouldn't, I think people can get caught up in that whole, I don't want to be in there in case they unsubscribe, but that's a good thing. You have a clean list. <laughs> and that's probably a, another important thing that we haven't touched on, Liz, is um, keeping a clean list, sending to your most engaged subscribers and regularly um, suppressing those that haven't subscribed. That's a really good way to keep your audience engaged, keep those open rates um, strong and make sure that your e- email campaigns or newsletters are going into the inbox and not into the spam or promotions folder. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's really important. So, and um, even cleaning up your list, isn't it? So you can, you can go in and see who hasn't been active or like I think that's pretty much the same across the board of all email servers. Yes. is that you can see who hasn't been active, who hasn't opened for a long time and empty it out. And I think sometimes we can get a bit caught up in our ego and be like, oh, but I've got a 1,000 people. But yes. if it's not a 1,000 people that are active, it's kind of like having just a bunch of spam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. You know, I see a lot of people that have never, ever cleaned their list and they're still sending to their entire audience, even though they've got like 30,000 subscribers, and that's when I'll see the open rates really start dropping, like sometimes under 10%. Um, so if you don't clean your list and you continue to blast the list, your open rates will drop. Yeah, great advice. And um, nothing makes you clean your list quicker than when you go up to the next payment increment. Uh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the way I know. you like to do a little list clean. Yeah, yeah. I always um, say, oh, that always makes me clean my list when I can see that I'm edging towards new subscribers and they're going to push me into the next payment um, yeah. option. I'm like, oh, quick, time time to get rid of all that dead weight. 
<laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And so is there anything else that you think um, people would should know about from an email perspective or a business perspective? You know, what sure. anything that you can share? Okay, I, I would say um, don't be scared, scared of email and um, I think a lot of people underestimate the potential of email marketing. Um, so for most of my clients, they will be doing about 20 to 30% of their store's revenue from email marketing. And that's huge. When you compare that to, you know, Instagram marketing, um, organic marketing, you're never going to get those results. Um, even Facebook ads are getting harder and harder now. Um, so it really is the moneymaker for your brand. So embrace it. Don't be scared of it. Learn as much as you can about email marketing or outsource it to experts um, because when it is done right, it can actually be some of my clients are getting 50% of their store revenue each and every month from Playgo. Mm, which is phenomenal, isn't it? Like yes. it's a really, it's a funny thing. It's been around the longest, but it's probably one of the most underutilized tools. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's not as sexy as Facebook ads. <laughs> not as many people um, seem to realize how valuable it is and how essential it is for online businesses. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that instant glorification. You know, you're on Instagram and someone double taps and you're like, oh, instant love. Whereas, you know, sending out an email, it's like you can't see the person behind. You can't, you don't get, a lot of the times you don't get any reply. You know, you can see if they click through to your website or they click through your buttons or you can see that, but it's not that personal connection that you have with Instagram and Facebook and that instant glorification. But I 100% agree and that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is because to me email is essential and um yeah being connected and staying in touch with people in their inbox in something that you own and also that your list is an asset like I don't think people take really realize how valuable that is as an asset for their business that's right like you don't own your social media accounts you don't own Instagram you don't own YouTube you don't add Twitter they could be gone any day, but you do own your email list. So that that's something that you'll always have. And it's not subject to, you know, algorithms changing or other businesses making decisions that are going to impact yours. Yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. All right. And I'm going to wrap it up there because this has been such an amazing conversation. So please share with me, where can people come and connect with you? And I know they're just going to be like, oh, I need Anna's help because she's amazing. So where can they find you? I'm going to put all the links in the show notes, but can you talk us through where you hang out? Sure. So my website is www.emailbydesign.com.au um, and I'm on the same handles on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and if you just want to have a little 15-minute chat about email marketing in general, we do offer free 15-minute chats, which you can book on the website. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been so valuable and I think you've taken away some fear for a lot of people. I know you have for me and it's definitely something. I'm I'm definitely going to look into the automations because the having those flows is I think that's something that we should all be doing and um it doesn't have to be scary. So <laughs> no, that, that's pretty low hanging fruit to set up that kind of stuff. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Anna. And um, yeah, we'll be connecting with you over on Instagram and Facebook and on your website. And I have all those notes in um, down below in the show notes. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Liz. It was so lovely. 
Well, thank you again for listening to yet another episode of the Boss Motive Podcast. I hope these episodes are really helping you towards building a successful business and a life that you love. If you enjoyed this episode, please jump over and leave me a review because that is going to help me get this episodes out to more people. And of course, I love to see you on Instagram. So please tag me at Boss Motive and let me know if these episodes are resonating with you or if there's something that you would love to hear. I look forward to being back in your ear again next week. Thanks again.